Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. I'm glad you're with us today and hope you're ready to study the Bible and know your Bible a little bit better. It's what we do on this program by answering questions. Uh, there's a phone number and a website you can use anytime to get in touch with us. Uh, leave us your question if the operators aren't around, but uh, tell us what you'd like us to talk about. And we get all kinds of questions. We get specific questions about a verse or a topic or a doctrine. Uh, we get life questions, current event questions, people that wonder, what's the Bible have to say about that situation? And we'll try to find answers from the Bible for you. So that's what we do, phone number, website, use them anytime, and you direct the program. Uh, we'll try to answer them, and when I say we, I mean I'm Steve Tandy, Toby Levering's here. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. And Jeff Martin's back. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. Glad you guys are here and studied up and ready to go. Uh, we always start with one for our viewers, however, so you get the first one today. Audience, and here it is. Uh, where was the Apostle John when he received the Revelation? Uh, the book of Revelation was given to him. Uh, where was he when he got that vision from God? And we will uh, give you the answer to that at the end of the program. See if you know where John was at the time. Uh, looks like I drew number one, so I'll get started here. What is the Holy Spirit? Is it a person? Well, a couple of things wrong with that question. Uh, what is the Spirit and is it a person? Uh, those don't all go together. The, the Holy Spirit is a person, a divine personality, if you will, part of the Trinity. Uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are the three parts of divinity that the Bible talks about. Uh, the word God is used back in Genesis as a plural word, Elohim. Uh, God, nature, has three parts is one way to explain it. And obviously, understanding the Trinity is difficult for our physical minds to think in spiritual terms, uh, but that's how the Holy Spirit is described. So it's not proper to call the Holy Spirit an it. Uh, he is always referred to as a masculine pronoun, he. Uh, so we should refer to the Holy Spirit as him uh, and as a divine personality. Let's read a couple of verses where Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit coming. And bear in mind that in this context, uh, Jesus was telling his apostles that I'm leaving. He said, I'm, I'm going to be crucified. I'm leaving you. Uh, but then he said in John 14:16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. And then 26, he said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So there you see Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as a uh, person, as a masculine person, as a divine person, 
uh, and another helper like Jesus was. So uh, that's who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, lots of things we could study about the Holy Spirit, but uh, to directly answer the question, the Holy Spirit is not a force. It's not an it. Uh, he is a divine part of the Godhead, co-equal, uh, co-existent uh, with God the Father and God the Son. All right, who's next here? All Toby. Right, I have the next one. The question is, what is the terrible sin Adam and Eve committed? Please answer in plain words. Okay, I'll do my best. Um, the answer is the terrible sin that Adam and Eve committed is disobedience. Uh, that is a sin. Certainly God has his will, and he expressed his will. In fact, he gave Adam and Eve a whole lot of blessings. There's really just one stipulation in the first garden. Let's look at it together in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. All right. So that was the... The command, and some people think of that as very restrictive, but God was actually trying to protect them. He said, you're free to eat from any tree, but there's just one that I want you to not eat from. And that's the authority of God to do that, and because they disobeyed, that's the sin. Now, some people irreverently say, well, what's the big deal? You know, it was just a piece of fruit. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us what kind of fruit it was, but what, why is God, you know, kicking them out of the garden and all of the consequences that came from that one action. Well, the big deal is because God said so. And any time God said so, that's it. That's the final authority. It was for Adam and Eve. Uh, and so we should, in the same way, have the same reverence toward the Lord. James chapter 4, verse 17, won't be on your screen, but you can look it up. It says, anyone who knows the good he ought to do but fails to do it, sins. So that's why knowing God's word is important, so we understand what God really says. But that's the answer. Uh, Adam and Eve, the big deal was they were disobedient. <laughs> that's always the deal, isn't it? Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much the cause of all of our problems. It is, for sure. All right, Jeff, what's all your right. reader after? I've got the next question today. Why did Jesus say to call no man father? Uh, and since Jesus said this, let's go right to the verse right now uh, in Matthew 23, verse 9. It says, And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Uh, and just like the viewer said who asked the question, this is Jesus saying this, so it's something that we need to make sure we pay attention to. Um, like with everything in the Bible, context is important. And I know you guys hear that a lot on Know Your Bible. Uh, and this is no different. We need to read the rest of chapter 23 to truly understand what Jesus was saying. What was the root of this command? So when we read the entire chapter, we realize that it's a warning against putting men in the place of God or giving men praise that is desert, that God is deserving of. Uh, it talks about the Pharisees who loved praise. They loved having a place of honor. They loved to be greeted with titles. And they sought the praise of men. 
Um, but that praise and honor, at least some of it, and the places that they were putting them belonged to God. And we can't let humans, uh, no matter how much authority they have, take the place of God. And, and that's where this comes from. So there's nothing wrong with calling your earthly father, father. Um, it's more of a warning that if we let uh, men take a position that belongs to God or get praise that belongs to God, we have a problem. Yep. Good explanation. Very good. All right, let me take just a moment and invite you to study the Bible with us. We, uh, I, don't, I know we study the Bible for 30 minutes and answer a few questions each week, uh, but we advocate home Bible study. Uh, we think it's the best way for us to find out what God's got in His Word for us is to sit down with that Word, spend some time in it. Uh, we know a lot of our viewers do that already and are very serious Bible students. Uh, but we also know we've got some viewers that just haven't ever quite got started in that. So we've got some ways to help. We've got some tools that we think are a great way to help you study the Bible. And uh, we offer to them to you absolutely free of charge. Uh, here's the first course. There's eight lessons in this little course. And it's just a good overview of the Bible. And we've got some more advanced courses that take you into the life of Jesus in pretty much detail and uh, the book of Acts and some other things. So uh, great ways to be in your Bible and learning your Bible. Also have some online courses. If you'd rather do that than uh, have print courses come to you in the mail, uh, just go to oneway.worldbibleschool.org and they'll ask you a few questions and you'll be signed up to study the Bible on your phone or tablet or however you want to. So great ways to study the Bible, all of them. Uh, all of them are free, no cost to you. Phone number, website, we'll get you the print courses. Oneway.worldbibleschool.org, we'll get you the online courses. Study the Bible with us and know your Bible a little better. All right, I got one uh, interesting question here. Are women always to be obedient to men in everything? Uh, you guys heard of the cancel culture? If you say the wrong, <laughs> say the wrong thing, you're you're canceled. That's right. I think there's a possibility yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to assume that this viewer, it's kind of a rhetorical question in the sense that you don't really believe anything like this, do you? Uh, just the way the question's worded. Are, are women always to obedient, be obedient to men in everything? Well, obviously that's preposterous. We all know uh, examples where men are not just wrong, but very wrong. Uh, not just wrong, but uh, evil, wicked, cruel, all that. So uh, certainly the answer is no to the question. But let's go a little deeper and uh, ask why anybody would even think that or why would they ask such a question. Uh, I think the problem probably goes back to the biblical teaching that uh, women are supposed to submit to their husbands. And the husband is the head of the wife. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, today that is not politically correct. That's not uh, uh, acceptable to modern culture. Uh, but the Bible still says that. So some people take that and twist it into something like the question that we got. Do you mean women are supposed to be obedient in everything all the time? Uh, no. A couple problems. Number one, the Bible doesn't say 
a man is superior to woman any place that says a husband is the head of his wife there's a relationship there in marriage uh, headship and that's a military term just means lined up in proper order uh, the other thing that's wrong is sometimes we take that verse where it says women submit to their wives submit to your husbands and we don't read anything else around it and we miss the point that it is mutual submission is what the Bible talks about. If you read the whole passage, you see what God's talking about, and we realize, well, that would really work if people did that. Uh, so let's just read the passage, just flesh it out a little bit around wives submitting to husband, and let's read from Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 21 starts out and says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now there's the overall command is all of you are supposed to submit to each other. And then he gives some examples. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And here's his picture for us. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Okay, that's a key point. Uh, Jesus is the head of the church. The husband is the head of the wife like that. Not like a master's head of a slave, a husband is the head of the wife, like Jesus is the head of the church, uh, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay, you read that whole description, and you see how marriage is supposed to work. Uh, Husbands and wives submit to each other. Wives submit to the head like to Jesus is the head of the church. Men, love your wives like Jesus loved the church. He was willing to die for her. So you put all that together and you got a whole different picture than some people take the submission verse and try to make it sound like a master-slave relationship. Uh, it's not. It's mutual submission. Uh, no, certainly there are times when women should not uh, submit to a cruel, evil, wicked, wrong husband. But in a loving, Christ-centered marriage, things function best when there is a headship and a submission and a mutual submission. So uh, the answer to the question is no, but uh, hopefully that passage there in Ephesians helps you see the big picture and how things are really supposed to work in a marriage. Your right answer there and the other aspect, the picture that Paul paints there is these two are interconnected. You know, the church and the body have each other. The 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 the, the head and Christ and the church and, and the head and the body are, are connected. So good answer and it's you know a reminder it's they are mutually submitted and yep. connected to each other. Ought to be. Next question is, if Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, did that include original sin? Well, yes and no. My, my issue in the question is your, the use of the word original sin, because there's two ways to take that. Uh, the first is the original sin, the one that Adam committed. Uh, and my answer to that, yes, Christ's sacrifice on the cross takes care of all sin. That's what it was for. That's what the Bible's about. 
more commonly, original sin is a phrase used in uh, theological terms to describe something that's a little different, and that is that all men are guilty of one man's sin. That because Adam sinned, all are guilty of his sin. Now, Adam sinned, and I agree, but the Scripture is quite clear that God holds every person responsible for their own sin, that you're not born into this world pre-condemned, guilty of someone else's sin, sin that you didn't commit. If you want to look more into that, read Ezekiel 18, uh, verse 18, 19, 20. The soul that sins is the one who will die. Uh, God's not going to condemn my son for my sin. Uh, he's not going to hold him guilty for things that I'm committed. Now, he might bear some of the consequences, but he's not going to bear the guilt. So the doctrine of original sin is not something that I agree with. Do we all sin? Absolutely. Romans 3.23 says, For all sin and fall short of the glory of God. That's the problem from the beginning of the book to the end is that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Verse, four, verse 24 says, And are justified freely by the grace that comes through Christ Jesus. So take issue with the original sin. But the sacrifice of Jesus takes care of all sin, the sin that you committed and that I've committed. Let's look at Romans 5, 9, which says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Hope that's helpful. All righty. Thank you. Tell me, Jeff, what's uh, again an Old Testament story? Okay, yes. Our next question is, in the story of the fiery furnace... How would the king know what a son of God looked like? And that's an interesting question. Uh, and I feel like I need to do a little bit of background here. This is from uh, the book of Daniel. And this is King Nebuchadnezzar. And he has three men that he's going to execute. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by throwing them into a fiery furnace because they wouldn't worship a golden image. But when he did this, when he threw them in, uh, he was surprised when he looked because he saw that they were walking around unbound. And not only that, but there was another being in the furnace with them, a fourth figure. So let's read the account straight from the Bible. Uh, and this is Daniel three, twenty-four and 25. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. So that last part is where uh, this question comes from, because it throws us off. It seems to indicate that all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar knew God, and not only knew God, but saw Jesus. Uh, but if we look at the rest of the story, and if we take this into historical context with the rest of the Bible, we can see that that's not true. In fact, later on, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar describes the being that he saw as an angel sent by God. So we have two descriptions and both of those descriptions, just based on that fact and other context, show us that King Nebuchadnezzar was referring to something that wasn't human. 
and he was attempting to describe that thing, and he did that as either a son of the gods or an angel. Okay, thank you, Jeff. Yeah, when I first read that question, when we got it, I thought, well, how would you know what a son of the gods look like? And then I thought, the guy's walking around in the fire. <laughs> He's not what you human. Would think. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> He's about got to be a son of the gods. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, let me take a second and invite you to visit a church of Christ near you. Uh, this program is sponsored by the Churches of Christ, produced by the Church of Christ, and we like to mention some each week that uh, help us stay on the air. So here's a couple uh, in central Kansas, Emporia and Eureka, uh, are both uh, fine congregations of the Church of Christ, uh, great groups of folks in both places that uh, think we're doing some good teaching on Know Your Bible and help us stay on the air, and we appreciate that. If you live in the Emporia or Eureka area, uh, if you're looking for a church home, you'd certainly be warmly welcomed. But uh, also, if you know somebody that attends the Church of Christ in your community, uh, tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible the other day. You were watching the program and enjoy it and saw that they sponsor it and give them your thanks uh, along with our thanks. So whatever market you're in, there's probably a Church of Christ near you. If you're looking for a church home, drop in. You'd be warmly welcomed. You'd find folks that uh, study the Bible and think about it like we do here on Know Your Bible. And uh, we'd, we'd appreciate you dropping in. Visit anytime. All right, looks like I've got the next one about uh, somebody dying. They will have a way to accept Jesus. Is that true? After they die, there's a way that they can accept Jesus. Well, you may have heard that somewhere, uh, but you didn't get it from the Bible. Uh, don't believe that's true. Uh, <clears throat> at least I know it's not true by the Bible. So somebody may have told you that. Somebody may wish that was the fact. Somebody may um, be teaching that, but they didn't get it from the Bible. In fact, the Bible says quite the opposite. So let's just look at a verse that pretty well wraps it up and settles it. And that's in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, It's appointed for a man to die once. And after that comes judgment. Uh, you don't die and then get chance number two, chance number three. Uh, you don't get purgatory. You don't get the chance to be prayed for. You just go from death to the judgment. Things are settled at death, and there's uh, no options after that. So uh, you may have heard that, but it didn't come from the Bible. All right. And the next question is about Cain and Abel. Were Cain and Abel twins is the question. And my answer to that is, I don't think so. <laughs> um, the scripture I'll look, go to on that is Genesis chapter 4, uh, verses 1 and 2. And this is from the NIV translation. Adam, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flock and kept flocks and worked the soil. So the challenge with this, or some people think maybe Cain and Abel were twins. If, if you look at NIV, the NIV, if we can pull that verse back up on the screen, uh, it, it says uh, in the NIV, it says later she gave birth to his brother Abel. So that's what makes me think that they were different and separate, of course, with their personalities and what they ended up doing and so forth. Uh, it's pretty obvious to me 
uh, that Cain was the older and Abel was the younger. Now, there's a translation that in the, I think it's the ESV that says, again, she gave birth to Abel. Well, if we, if we just look at the first part of this scripture, and I'll ask to bring that scripture right back up, we can, we can understand that this is, that first sentence, Adam made love to his wife Eve, she became pregnant, and gave birth to Cain. Now, we understand those actions didn't happen instantaneously altogether, right? There was some time that elapsed between conception and birth. That's just the natural order of things. Well, the same way with uh, the birth of Abel. So this is what we're looking at here. So, yeah, the answer is no, they were not twins. And if we just look at uh, any of the translations, we understand that as we read through Genesis, some time passes, sometimes it's not even referred to, and uh, that that helps us understand. So always look at the context, but no, they were not twins. Not twins. All right. Uh, Jeff, I was thinking about that question you had about not calling any man father. And that bothers some people because, you know, we've all got a father. Right. <laughs> uh, but like you said, read that whole chapter, and it's all about the attitude of the Pharisees and the leaders that wanted to be called special titles. That yeah. It was all about appearances. That's mm-hmm. what the whole chapter is about. Uh, anyhow, it reminded me of when I was in college, I had different kinds of professors. Uh, some had two or three or four doctorates and wanted you to call them Joe, you know. <laughs> I remember one teacher specifically, he came in the first day, he started writing all his degrees on the board. He said, I've got a bachelor's in this, I've got a bachelor's, I've got a master's in this, a master in this, I've got a doctorate in this, and you will call me Dr. So-and-so. Uh, Desire to what, praise. That's yeah, what um, Jesus is talking about, is people that have got to have that recognition and the, the, the title and uh, have an attitude like that and he's condemning all of that. So. Yeah, it really, really does come back to a humility and pride issue with, with those type of things with religious titles. Yeah. You know, people will sometimes call me pastor or something like that or say, you know, and I'll just say, hey, Toby's fine. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's important that religious titles are yeah. uh, not necessary and we're just instruments to yeah. be used by the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing contrasted with, I just thought of this, is a couple of times, like uh, Peter and Paul and some of them, yep. people would bow down to them yep. and try to worship them. Yep. And they said, uh, not, no, 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 don't be worshiping me. I, yep. I'm, I'm just a man. Yep. That's <laughs> exactly right. People that Paul was talking about, or that uh, uh, Jesus was talking about there, uh, wanted the worship, wanted the adulation. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Okay, uh, interesting questions today. We're out of time for new questions, but let's do our trivia question. Uh, where was the Apostle John when he received the revelation? And he was on an island, the island of Patmos. He had been banned, exiled, uh, banished to the island, and that was where Jesus chose to give him the revelation. You can read about that in chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Uh, Jesus gives him this uh, letters to the churches and reveals all sorts of things to him. So 
Uh, read Revelation 1, you'll figure that out, how John got the revelation. Glad you've been with us today, and uh, hope that we got to your question. If not, we're going to be back next week and try to answer some more of them, so we'll invite you to be back then. Till then, have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.